Welcome back, Free Rocky Nation. It's me, Amanda, and I'm going to talk about something very interesting today. You may remember that I mentioned the Lippitt versus Godinez lawsuit where the Illinois Department of Corrections was sued over the conditions of the prison. The lawsuit also addressed the level of care the Wexford doctors provide to inmates. I want to read a couple of excerpts to you just so you understand why this issue was brought up in court. The first excerpt pertains to a female incarcerated at Logan Correctional Center in 2018. This case is on page 78 of the lawsuit. Another patient in the LLC infirmary had a history of recurrent DVT, which is deep vein thrombosis, with pulmonary emboli and a chronic draining lower extremity leg ulcer. During her infirmary stay, the patient was treated with five different antibiotics in six different confusing combinations. The working diagnosis appears to have been osteomyelitis, but this was never noted in the patient's treatment plan. The provision of multiple antibiotics in varying combinations without a definite diagnosis was not in accord with the national standards of care and put the patient at risk for drug resistance and severe gastrointestinal complications. A definite workup for osteomyelitis, including bone probing, bone biopsy, and specialized bone scans was never ordered. Infectious disease, orthopedic, and possibly dermatology consultation to clarify the diagnosis was needed but was not requested. The provider's extremely belated request for infectious disease consultation for assistance with the choice of antibiotics, not to establish a diagnosis, was inappropriately denied by Wexford's collegial referral process. If even the appropriate preliminary diagnostic test and consultations had been performed at the infirmary, this patient should have been hospitalized for definite diagnostic tests and intensive treatment. The failure to solicit specialty consultation during this patient's six-month stay in the LCC infirmary without resolution of her draining leg ulcer and the inexplicable combinations of antibiotics and antifungal agents reflected poor understanding of this patient's possible diagnoses and was incompetent. She survived barely. This next excerpt made me cry the first time I read it. Getting this man the care he needed should have been simple. His family even advocated for him. Still, this man died with a known heart condition and a pile of his own vomit because the Wexford doctors are incompetent. Another patient was a 58-year-old man who was transferred to Robinson from Graham. Those are correctional centers in Illinois. He had a high blood pressure for at least seven months, but it was not treated. He also had elevated risk for heart disease for at least seven months, but was not treated with statin. The patient was bleeding from his rectum, but never received a colonoscopy and was continued on non-steroidal medication. 
After being at Robinson for about six months, the patient experienced chest pain with nausea and dyspnea with blood pressure 200 over 118 and pulse of 129. An EKG showed new onset atrial fibrillation marked with marked ST depression in lateral leads. This is consistent with acute coronary syndrome and warrants immediate hospitalization and catheterization. Even the automated reading said immediate clinical assessment of this individual is strongly recommended. Instead, a nurse called a doctor who gave an order by phone for single doses of Inderol and Clonidine. This patient was having acute coronary syndrome and should have been hospitalized for immediate catheterization. The following day, the doctor took a history of typical chest angina with exertional squeezing, chest pain associated with nausea, shortness of breath. Another EKG was done and the atrial fibrillation was no longer present. Instead of immediately obtaining cardiac catheterization or cardiology evaluation, the doctor started a statin and aspirin, but no anti-angina medication. Weeks later, a family member called with concern that the patient was having chest pain when walking to the dining hall. An administrator scheduled a routine referral to a physician who, instead of admitting the patient for catheterization, ordered the patient a wheelchair. The doctor added Norzac, N-O-R-V-A-S-C, if I say it incorrectly, I apologize, for elevated blood pressure. This potentially could have increased the risk for myocardial infarction. The patient had another episode of exertional chest pain with shortness of breath diagnosed as chest wall pain. After another episode of chest pain, a nurse obtained an EKG that again showed ST segment depression consistent with acute ischemia warranting immediate hospitalization and catheterization. Instead, a doctor ordered 23-hour observation without any intervention. The nurse told the patient to change his job assignment so he wouldn't have to work at a job that precipitated chest pain. Four days after this episode, the doctor referred the patient for a routine stress test. Instead of a stress test, the Wexford UM program had the patient referred for a routine cardiology appointment, which would ultimately delay the cardiac intervention. This appointment occurred one month later, the cardiologist recommended cardiac catheterization, quote, in the near future, end quote. About two weeks later, the patient again developed chest pain. A nurse obtained an EKG that showed atrial fibrillation, which the nurse described as a, quote, AFib, same as previous, end quote. This should have resulted in immediate hospitalization. Instead, a doctor ordered 23-hour observation without intervention. About six hours later, the patient was found on the floor with a forehead laceration and surrounded by vomit. He had no pulse or respirations and was transferred to a hospital where he was pronounced dead. 205 Mortality Review, patient number 33. This report was on page 102 of the Lippitt versus Gardenia's case. Dr. Kurt Osmondson works at Illinois River Correctional Center. The inmates have nicknamed him Dr. Don't See Nobody because he doesn't see patients very often. My father has medical issues and has not seen this doctor at all. I don't know how you can be employed as a doctor and not see patients. Why do we as taxpayers pay this man to be a doctor when he isn't providing care? Maybe the inmates at Illinois River are lucky in a way. 
Apparently, Dr. Osmondson has had his Indiana surgical and prescribing licenses suspended after he was caught selling opiates. He did complete probation and apply to have his licenses reinstated. Currently, he has six lawsuits against him from Illinois inmates. Anderson, Bell, Bryant, Curtis, Delgado, and Murphy. A seventh lawsuit, Justy versus Onmanson, has already been decided. Search these names on Google and you can read about the cases. I will include the case numbers at the bottom of this transcript if you're interested. Having your license revoked limits your opportunities to continue working in your field. I'm going to guess that the Wexford Health Sources Incorporated hired him when no one else would. His specialty is osteopathy. Webster Dictionary defines osteopathy as a system of medical practice based on a theory that diseases are due chiefly to loss of structural integrity, which can be restored by manipulation of the parts supplemented by therapeutic measures, such as the use of drugs or surgery. This sounds like a practice that won't catch or address the two cases I already quoted. They would be outside the scope of practice. Is Dr. Osmondson an outlier? A sad case that an employer took pity on? No. From what I have read, hiring Osmondson is like saying birds of a feather flock together. Wexford Health Sources, Inc. also hired a Jonathan Eek. Eek lost his license in Oklahoma. Eek sexually assaulted his unconscious patient and abused opiates. He did complete his probation and does have an Illinois license now. Eek works in one of the prisons. I'm not sure which one, though. His specialty is family medicine. At least he has a broader knowledge base than osteopathy. I want to encourage everyone to contact your Illinois assemblyman if you live in Illinois. If you are listening outside of Illinois, you can contact U.S. Senators Tammy Duckworth and Richard Dick Durbin, as well as Representative Darren LaHood. Ask how these doctors are employed when they don't see patients, and the Lippitt versus Gardenia's case proved they aren't even qualified to do what they're doing. Remember, tax dollars fund the IDOC budget, so you pay them. Ask how many inmates are given death sentences because they have to deal with the Wexford doctors. If your loved one is incarcerated because of some nonviolent crime, ask for their immediate release. Don't let them end up like the woman at Logan or the man at Graham. Listen to the Free Rocky Nation on Spotify, iTunes, and Pandora. Like us on Facebook at Larry Rocky Harris 1959. Email us at email address freerocky at freerockynation.org. Buy my dad's books on Amazon. You'll find titles such as Never Ending Nightmare, 100 Filthy and Raunchy Jailhouse Jokes, 100 More Filthy and Raunchy Jailhouse Jokes, and The Prisoner's Guide to Filing a Winning Grievance. Don't forget to visit our blog at freelarryrockyharrisx2.com.